Good morning and welcome to The Cusp. I'm Nathan and joining me today is Craig. Hello. And Susie. Hello. Colin and Chrissy are off doing other things today. Colin may drop in later if he figures out how to use Skype. Uh, otherwise we'll just make do without him. On our community notice board today we have some upcoming events. And of course the for- first and most important event is... The Skeptics Conference. Now, you may or may not get this episode before the Skeptics Conference, but if you do, and you do want to come along, it is skeptics.org.nz. And if it's too late to register, just show up and come and find me, because uh, we will be taking uh, door sales if people want to just show up. How will they recognise you, Nathan? Because they'll go to our website and they'll look at my lovely picture. Um, or they could just rock up and ask for anybody, honestly. I mean, uh, we've budgeted for about 150 people in terms of size and catering and whatnot. And uh, we're up to about 96 as of right now, I think. And we'll all and, be there. Yeah, well, most of us will be. I haven't seen Chrissy's name on the thing yet, or Collins. Outrageous. I know. Slackers. Slackers. Mm. But Susie will be there, and Susie is presenting a paper on Andrew Wakefield. Yeah. Yes. The MMR. An MMR. And Craig is presenting a paper on... Oh, no, no, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> and neither am I, but I'm organising the whole fucking thing, so I'll be pretty busy anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's people helping. I'm not doing it all by myself. So um, do come along if you can, and um, odds are that you've either just missed it or you're like three years in the future catching up on the old episodes, in which case this is all a bit pointless. <laughs> Check out next episode where we're all talking about how awesome it is. And I guess if we get a chance, we might sit down and talk to some of the presenters and get some interviews for filler for the next couple of episodes. So, for the first few episodes, we uh, tried to do a Meet the Hosts, and we just realised that we forgot to do Susie, who joined us a little bit later on in the proceedings. So, Susie, introduce yourself. Uh, Hello, I'm Susie. Well, so what can I say? Uh, I am... Right, thanks Susie, that's great. (laughs) Um, Thanks for... Carry on. Okay, so I am a, I guess, a jobbing scientist. A whatting scientist? A jobbing scientist. It's a very English term. What's jobbing? It sounds dirty. <laughs> okay, so I am a scientist. I'm a molecular microbiologist. So I'm basically interested in bacteria and preferably ones that can kill us. Preferably really fast and in a rather nasty way. Um, so why am I a skeptic? Um, I guess it sort of comes with the territory or certainly for me as being a scientist, although I guess I've met quite a few scientists who are religious, which I find bizarre. Um, I grew up in a religious family, but not overtly religious, went to Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. And then at 16, when I was doing um, I was doing sciences for uh, at school, I picked up philosophy of religion as well. And at the same time, was starting to go through sort of the confirmation steps for for the church and um, used to turn up every week at our minister's house and basically quiz him about things like why was they evil and all these kinds of things and so over the space of a few months I guess I realised that you know I, I didn't believe in God really which was actually a very sad sad thing at first I was very very sad to come to that realisation of having lost my faith kind of realised I probably didn't have it in the first place having just you know it's just something you're brought up with and then and then I've been fine with it ever since okay so moving to New Zealand I've I've moved to New Zealand recently for anybody who doesn't uh, understand my accent I'm actually um, British moved to New Zealand recently and started doing the skeptics in the pub as a sort of way to meet some people which has been 
fabulous, and I've met some lovely people. And, uh, and got roped into... And got roped into various things, but that's that's good. Um, but the other thing that's happened recently is I read Trick or Treatment by uh, Edzard Ernst and Simon Singh. And they have a, a list at the back of the book of people who are to blame for, I guess, the proliferation of pseudoscience and... and and you know tricks I guess and they put medical researchers quite high up on their list and so and what they're saying is that um, medical researchers basically are not standing up and being counted you know so whenever they there's all this nonsense around us and the people who could really say look you know actually this is complete and utter nonsense and here is why it's nonsense um, aren't doing that enough and I took that as a real kind of kick up the backside as a right I am a medical researcher and so I should be using my skills to um, you know for this aim so it's quite good doing the doing the talking to school kids that I do because I always sort of bring a bit of so how to critically appraise information where does your information come from who's you know what is the who's giving you that information that kind of thing so that you can sort of maybe try and get get kids from a younger age to start questioning stuff how does that work do you just rock up to a school and say hey give me a class of kids for a couple of minutes <laughs> uh, i guess you can do that i, I don't at uh, the liggins institute they do this thing called the meet the scientists so they have school kids in all the time who come in and do uh do stuff run gels do a bit of DNA manipulation and things. Are these high school students? From really young. I'm trying to think of the youngest I've done it with. Probably like, I don't know, 10 or something. They come in and they, I mean, obviously they do different things depending on their ages. Um, and then at, at lunchtime, they have this thing called Meet the Scientist where basically they have three scientists and you've got 20 minutes to just tell them about what you do or, you know, and they kind of ask you questions. Um, and it's fantastic. So I, I, I go quite a lot because I'm one of the few researchers who will talk about using animals, so they like me to talk to school kids about that, but then I also sort of talk a little bit about scientific... Take some mice along and pull them out of a hat. I don't do... (laughs) (laughs) Not everything's magic, Nathan. No, I don't do Don't you do magic (laughs) tricks? And at the end of your talk, say, this mouse has finished his trial, (laughs) so tomorrow we're going to gas him to death. Well, that's one of the really interesting things, actually, about what I do, is that um, most people don't realise that at the end of our experiments we don't take the mice home. And so that's something quite interesting to talk to the kids about. So what do you know? What do, what do they think happens to them, and uh, that kind of thing? Um, so that's really really interesting. How do the kids respond to that? They're really good, actually. I guess I was quite scared about standing up and talking about this stuff at first, but I'm not ashamed of what I do. Um, and and the children are actually <laughs> I am not good a crook. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ashamed. And I think if you explain to them, so I always start. You know, I'm I'm interested in, in infectious diseases. You know, these are diseases that can kill us rather nastily. So I usually sort of talk to them about that. You know, ask them who's had a vaccination or who's taken antibiotics, that kind of thing. You know, explain to them about the number of people who die of these diseases and that we still need new vaccines. And this is why we have to use animals in our research. So basically, a large part of your job is to depress children. No, because then I show them pictures of fireflies and pictures of, I don't know, from the anglerfish from Finding Nemo. And I think to sh- uh, that's sort of to show them how you can go from um, a firefly and a mouse to, uh, you know, a, a potentially a, a cure for some really nasty disease that rots your legs off. I mean, that you know, that's kids find that quite interesting. So they, they seem to. They don't fall asleep for me in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring them to get to death about getting uh, necrotizing fasciitis. That's me. That's me. So I think once you, I think the thing with kids is once you put it in context, then 
and they're not stupid, you know, and if you explain it to them, you don't treat them like they're idiots, then, then uh, it's amazing actually how much they take from it. So I think this whole thing, coming to New Zealand, doing a bit more stuff with kids and, and reading that book has turned me into a bit of a sceptical activist and hence I've become a letter writer and you know I'm I'm so there to, to do some stuff to basically so speaking of writing letters yes. <laughs> seeing as that you casually work that into the conversation obviously you want to read that out okay so after my after my rant at the Ponsonby News um, last month and I did write to them I'm, I, I'm, I'm not going to read my letter because I mean everybody knows so it was in response to their article about alternative ways of healing pets and I just explained to them the reason why homeopathic remedies have no side effects, can't lead to dependency, and can be used at the same time as conventional drugs, blah, 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 because they have no active ingredients. What I did want to read to you was, um, was the uh, response of the editor. It was hilarious. We would always prefer alternative holistic treatments on our pets whenever possible, but we would always ask our vet's advice so as not to delay effective treatment of more potentially serious conditions. So I think they're even, even them are... are, are, are admitting oh, that they're ineffective. Can can I move on from this then, actually, while I've got the Ponsby News in front of me? Right. Um, so the same uh, month that had the Alternative Ways of Healing Pets, they also had, they've got this um, health correspondent, which I use the loosest exactly. of terms. So he wrote an article about root canals, um, which was basically, oh, just a, a kind of a bit of a rant about root canals. In the same month that I got my letter in, Dr John Bell, who's the president of the New Zealand Dental Association, basically wrote an, a letter as well, saying that the article written by the health correspondent had been sent to him by many responsible dental practitioners because of all the inaccuracies it contained. Anyway, so he writes a very long list of the inaccuracies and why they're inaccurate. And he ends by saying that, that basically dentistry, modern dentistry is evidence-based. And he says, not based on a few unproven opinions as expressed by your contributor. And he suggests that if people are interested in looking at the evidence, they start with the New Zealand Dental Association's consumer website. Uh, da, da, da. And, and he, it's a very long letter and it's very good. But from the editor, again, just, just so that you get a picture of what these editors are like, the health correspondent, John Appleton, is a highly respected and well-researched health commentator. The team at Ponsonby News, read idiots, have no <laughs> doubt that his comments on root canals in the March issue are based on sound research. It's like, the man's telling you they're not based on sound research. He knows. Anyway, so clearly they're nonsense. Did you say something about a letter, Craig? Did you want to read your letter out? Well, I, I put it back on the fridge. I'd <laughs> be to go retrieve it. Hang on. So on, on the theme of um, letters to the editor, I, I think we should all encourage people to write letters to the editor where they see... Uh, things, things in papers that are that are wrong. Um, I happened to be down in, in Napier um, a few weeks back for my high school reunion, and uh, happened to read a, a a letter to the editor from uh, a woman by the name of Margaret Burgess in Hastings, uh, talking about um, the MMR vaccine, and, and it was titled "Autism is a Lifelong Affli Affliction." Um, and basically, it was your typical um, anti-vaccination um, stuff, and. Um, Give us a brief summary. Around 60 years ago, measles, mumps and rubella were part of childhood and no cause for concern. Since then, in a profit-driven push by vaccine manufacturers to eliminate these harmless diseases, a new disease has evolved that is afflicting one in every 100 children, autism. Okay, I take it back. Don't summarise it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so it was a, a piece of absolute rubbish, so, so I felt the need to sit down and uh, write a response to that, which, which did get published, so um, I was kind of pleased to, to have it published, so it's good to see uh, when the other side of the story can, uh, can, be, can be told. Write letters to the editor. I don't know if you've seen the news article recently about the gun show in Auckland. No, there's a gun show comes out twice a year to the West Wave. Uh, yeah. event centre you've yeah. probably seen the signs for it and the ads for it and um, Bob Harvey has said that he's, he's banning them hmm. um, from using the facilities on what basis? something about family values and because it's a family venue he doesn't think children should be exposed to guns to looking at guns now I th- what I think this is actually driven by and this is what made me um, made me remember it is just after the last gun show uh, there was a letter to the editor in the Western Leader from some shrill woman. Well, that's how she came across, anyway. Came across as, as quite shrill. And um, her, her point was basically, um, I was walking past the West Wave Recreation Centre and uh, my children looked in and there was a big gun on display by the main door. And how dare they display guns where families are going to be walking around. And this is sort of almost exactly the same thing that Bob's saying now um, about family values and the gun show being held. And so basically the gun show organisers have been banned from using any public space in Waitakere, West Auckland. Mm. Um, So that means basically uh, government-controlled facilities, I think, which just baffles me. I mean, it's just... Why? I mean, I, I'm personally, I shoot guns and I have guns and I go to the gun show because I enjoy guns. So this is pissing me off because it means that they're going to have to move the gun show somewhere else uh, or just not run it. So that's something that I do that I enjoy that I'm going to miss out on. But just on a sort of more fundamental freedom of bloody blah, whatever, does that seem stupid to anybody else? Well, it does seem amazing that what's the difference between a gun like that and a gun on, I don't know, the ATM or anything like that i mean they're everywhere and and well and children children's guns and yeah what's what's you'll probably find if you actually found out who this woman is and went and had a look at her house she probably is one of those people that doesn't buy her kids toy guns no um because obviously she's quite anti-guns the irony is of course that watching people play with guns on tv is a much worse influence on children than if they were to go to a gun show or even better go to a gun range and i was at the range yesterday all day from about eight thirty till six in the end supervising scouts um, they were shooting rifles down the range and they all loved it and they all learned a lot of safety tips and how to handle a gun correctly yeah i think having direct experience of them certainly uh, makes you more uh, respectful of them and then then watching them on tv just after i started shooting um, I was watching uh, Stargate Atlantis or one of those sorts of shows, and they were all, they were they pop out of the little Stargate, and they're about to go running through this alien forest, and one of the characters pulled a gun out of his belt and cocked it, and then started running through the forest, and I'm screaming at this, what the hell are you doing? That's that's so unsafe, you know. Put the gun away and safety on and all sort of stuff. So that's a bit of a digression. But speaking of digressions, one more. I happened to turn on TV One this afternoon at um, just well, there's a show on from midday called Planet Science, which was actually pretty good. Actually, it had basically an article on it about the Large Hadron Collider, and um, was pretty good. It had um, Lawrence Krauss and um, Michio Kaku on it, uh, speaking about about the Large Hadron Collider and um, about how they were 
replicating the energies of one second after the Big Bang happened, and uh, yeah, it was very good actually. And of course, speaking of science-y type shows, just because it seems relevant, um, Michio Kaku actually has another show um, that he's doing at the moment, um, Sci-Fi Science, Physics of the Impossible, based on his book, in which he talks about how would you, um, for example, teleportation or a force field, and they've turned it into a TV show. And when's that on? Uh, I don't think it's on New Zealand TV. And... The other, which is which I think counts as news because it was only a, a few days ago, is the um, bad astronomer, Mr. Phil Plate, um, has been given a green light for a new show. It's kind of Mythbusters meets his book, Death from the Skies, in which he does sort of computer simulations of what would happen when this asteroid hits the atmosphere and breaks up, and and what and how would you stop it and things like that. You know, what, if you did put a nuclear bomb on an asteroid what would happen to the bits yeah. um, so it's sort of, sort of you know, a TV show based on his book uh, and that's coming up and will we ever get to see it in New Zealand oh well I don't know his blog is on discover.com so if you get the Discovery Channel not to be confused with the Discovery Institute <laughs> the ID proponents so yeah so if you get Sky or, or if you can get the um, Discovery Channel you may be able to get it mm. that way so we have got a few news articles what was the first one the church that ripped that guy off in the nursing home. Well, that's one perspective on it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, the Napier Oasis Elam Church has um, essentially uh, has a tithing scheme, which seems to be common with these kind of fringe churches. All churches do tithing. Yeah. It's a fairly common common principle. But the point of this particular article is this old guy yeah, in a nursing home, not particularly... The old guy by about. the name of uh, Fetu Abraham... 54-year-old with head injuries. And um, they basically conned him out of, what, $20,000 as life savings? Yeah, so he, he doesn't have a lot of money, but um, but uh, he's still been part of the tithe and uh, gave something like $10,000 in 2008 and $11,000 in 2009. And um, the, uh, the, the nursing home people became concerned. Because he couldn't pay his bill? <laughs> <laughs> was, was unable to afford um, a dental dental treatment for his uh, rotting teeth so well they um, noticed and they took action and yeah. good on them and you want to be careful using the word tithing as well because i don't think what he's doing is tithing tithing well, is is when you give 10 percent of your income, so of your income. Yeah. now this guy doesn't look this like he has no an income so. he just has life savings so what the church has been doing is they've been asking him for donations yeah. and donations is over and above what you would tithe so clearly they've been getting quite large sums of money out of this guy. I guess the question is is whether the church is culpable for that because or whether we should be getting upset. I mean, I'm upset about it. But whether the guy was just sort of giving of his own free will and whether the church was or whether the church was sort of well, pressuring him it's, it's, it's and exactly should they have known that this guy didn't have very much money and that they were effectively taking his life savings because I suspect that if they did know that, they probably wouldn't have taken quite so much. I mean, that just seems silly. I mean, you're, you, you know that it's going to come out somehow when the guy gets turfed out of the nursing home. So, I don't know. Because of the, the embarrassment and the pressure put on by the, um, the nursing home people. And the newspaper. Good for the newspaper. The church has now re- returned the money to the, uh, to the guy. So, so he's, not, he's not unwell or anything. He's, he's got a head injury, so he may be a little bit... Yeah, but he's he's living he, he's an elderly man living in a nursing home, but he's not. Well, he's fifty four. Oh, he's not an elderly man. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be me in ten years. 
they obviously are uh, scraping around for whatever money they can get. They they want to be able to operate their church. Well, gold plate their church or build a second story on their church. I mean, this is not sort of operational money. There has been another story about it in which case, in which the guy, the pastor of the church, a, a guy called Bruce Collingwood, look, does look rather sleazy in that uh, uh, the all the people going to the church, well, half of them have been sold on a um, multi-level marketing vitamin um, <laughs> program called Manatech. I don't think it's all vitamins. Some of them it's vitamins possibly, but Manatech's big product from memory, it's a sugar, and the sugar is supposed to be able to cure cancer and Down syndrome. Really? Gosh, that's quite an effective sugar. <laughs> wow. We're not allowed to say that it cures Down syndrome, but there was this guy. <laughs> well, he spontaneously recovered from Down syndrome. Yeah, but yes, yes, the genetic disorder, <laughs> Down syndrome. How can, they, how can they get away with this? Well, uh, well, I think, though, that they, these sorts of churches are a very insular environment and there's mm. a lot of peer pressure put on for both... Um, the, the tithing aspect, so to giving mm. up ten percent of your income, and and also um, buying into whatever the pastor says. The mm. pastor says, um, "Well, these multi this multi level scheme is great, and buy buy these vitamins, and it'll do you good." Then the half the congregation is going to go for it. People buy into the multi level marketing and the Manatech schemes anyway, and a pastor to certain people has a certain amount of respect. I have been to the Elam website and um, they have a page about their base, their beliefs, they have a statement of faith and um, in a section about ministers, uh, we believe that the minister must live a life which displays adherence to the teachings of the Bible and even Elam's statement of faith and in that there is um, the pastor should not be a person who secures money or favours by intimidation or misuse of authority. <laughs> so are they going to get rid of this pastor then? <laughs> well, Can we put in a complaint against him <laughs> that he's broken their rules? One of the articles did have a, a statement from the Elam, the, the, what's the word? The, the mother church. <laughs> the mothership. The mothership. <laughs> stating that they didn't condone what was going on. And I've just noticed as well in the article here that I've got is that... Um, the people from the rest home actually did go and talk to the people at the church and ask them to stop taking money from this guy. So I think it's probably fair to say that the church did know that, or at least had some idea. Ms. Ms. Denver said the church rejected her appeal to stop accepting large donations from Mr. Abraham and came to the rest home to give him a donation certificate so he could claim a third of the money back from inland revenue. I guess they wanted that from him too, she said. The following year, the church received $11,895 from Mr. Abraham, including one donation of $5,000 in May. He's being used. Actually, so this leads me into um, the Anne Rice story. So Anne Rice, for anybody who doesn't know her, uh, wrote Interview with a Vampire, the Vampire Lestat, various sort of vampire books long before Twilight. Yes. Um, she So it was very sad many years ago she converted from atheism, if you can convert from atheism, she, she converted to Christianity. Um, in fact, she, in fact she, she went back to her old religion of, of being Catholic. And just recently she has now said she's not going to be a Christian anymore because of their position on contraception and well, she's not going to be Catholic anymore because of their position on contraception and da 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 Yep, so, uh, Susie, you've got an article about sensing murder. Yeah, we've got two articles about sensing murder. So the first is that sensing murder psychic escapes his intrusive fans. Um, 
Kelvin Cruikshank said the constant attention from his fans has forced him to escape Auckland. They've sold their four-bedroom home in the upmarket eastern suburbs for over a million and will move to the Bay of Islands. Where there's more loony people who are likely to believe that's <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving Auckland to escape everybody. I want time with my family, Cruikshank explained. Bloody bloody blah. Anyway, so he's, uh, yep, he's leaving. But the other story, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, the production company behind Sensing Murder and as well as uh, Dream Home and Location, 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 um, went into receivership. And um, there's basically a bit of a f- scrap going on at the moment um, about the, this company, uh, well, in fact, about one of its directors. So Ninux Television was the company, um, and basically one of the directors is being... Uh, the receivers have basically uh, made a complaint to the police that he fraudulently intercepted and received uh, money... Uh, and and he took property from the company that I guess was due to go to the receivers. So the point of this story, why we should be celebrating, is because TVNZ, in a statement last week, have said they have no plans to make any of the shows again. Well, well, that's good, but it would have been better if they'd said because because it's a load of, load of bollocks. And yeah, and in in how many series has it been going on for? Is this the third? Yeah, there have been no more, no new information, no leads, no bodies, no nothing. Anyway, so hopefully we won't. Although, of course, it has made an awful lot of money for all the psychics involved. Uh, Shall we talk about the new new energy drink? 100% New Zealand made? Okay, so I'm listening to the radio and I hear this ad for a new product and it's Dun dun dun! A new energy drink with the power of nitrogen, which probably sounds awesome to about 99% of the population. But I sort of heard that and thought, well, hang on, what's so great about nitrogen? It's what 78% of the atmosphere is nitrogen. Um, it really doesn't have any power. And so, of course, what they're doing is they're trading on the idea of nitrogen oxide being used to give a car more power, um, and using that as a theme for an energy drink. Oh, I'm actually on website, their. Yes. I'm on their website now, and um, they are very much into sponsorship of uh, car stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's definitely that kind of culture that uh, that they're using to promote their product. And I have no problem with them using that as a theme for their drink. It's just the, when you're advertising it and saying that it's infused with the power of nitrogen, that's just bad science, and I, I get offended. Okay, so let, let's read what it says. If nitrous oxide makes your car go faster, dot, 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 you can only imagine what happens when our crazed, crazed something scientists mix nitrogen with CO2 and inject this turbo madness into an awesome tasting energy drink. There's only one way to find out. Rip into this can and enjoy the smooth, unique, tingly buzz of NOS nitrogen, not for the faint-hearted contains an awful lot of caffeine. We're offering a prize for the uh, listener who writes back to us and gives us the um, correct number of logical fallacies and errors in that advertising blurb. What is this prize you speak of? Uh, The prize will be a gold star on our website. I don't know. Not really. They say dosage maximum one can or bottle per day and it has the highest caffeine strength of any energy shots in New Zealand is what they say. See, I have no problem with that. But I don't see why they have to advertise it with bad science. Why can't they just say, hey, this has got shitloads of caffeine well, in it? because that's not what they're trying to sell it as. I think it's pretty dang- it's potentially dangerous anyway. Um, there, was, uh, there was an article in the Herald about um, 
uh, some a schoolgirl who who drank some of that drink and, and collapsed. This um, one. Yes. From the caffeine or from the nitrogen? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the caffeine. She said her heart was uh, racing. Uh, wait, 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 wait. So basically, the, I just the the thing says um, these little bur- bottles are perfect for big nights out, improving sports performance. Whenever you need an energy kick but don't want to go to the bathroom, what does that mean? <laughs> why would why would you get an energy kick from going to the bathroom? Is there something I don't know about going to the bathroom? Maybe that's where people keep their <laughs> methamphetamine tablets. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to go back afterwards. <laughs> right. Anyway, crazy people. Yes. So yes, just another thing on a. On a marketing team that's come up with that doesn't make any sense big shock absolutely um so which leads us into science and technology colin tell us all about oh wait no he's not here (laughs) (laughs) i'll do the the disappointing one first flying car hyphen the future today uh which of course it's not we've been promised a flying car for what 30 40 years now in 10 years time they'll have flying cars in 10 years time they'll have flying cars well, now they do. It is a car that flies. Because it's an aeroplane? It's both. Okay. It's a both. It's a car and an aeroplane. It's a hybrid. <laughs> a fly, a fly <laughs> you, could, you could use that. I should be a marketing executive. Um, so basically, it's, it's got wings that you can take off and fold up, and you drive it like a car. And then you drive to an airfield... And you put the wings on and then you can fly around. It seats two people, designed to fly primarily under 10,000 feet, maximum takeoff weight of 649 kilograms. It costs US $194,000, which is about 280,000 New Zealand dollars as of the time of the article. Wow. Which might be a little bit um, less than that now. The dollar's quite good at the moment. So maybe we can get one once our donations start coming in. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll. keep meaning to set up a donation button on the web page so it's not quite as exciting as it sounds but it certainly sounds like a very convenient vehicle and maybe a cool toy if you have money to waste on it and a license well now there's something about the license um you only need a car license to drive it no 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 no, no. <laughs> just like a moped but it is a light aircraft so you don't need quite the same license as you would for say a, a 747 or <laughs> Or even a Cessna. Or maybe, maybe it's like a, um, uh, one of those micro lights. Yeah, it's that sort of thing. So the idea is, I guess, you could fly from Wellington to Auckland, land the plane, put the wings on, and uh, take the wings off, rather, and uh, drive to your hotel. Right. So, and it is. It's cool. Um, but not quite what we were promised. So I'm still... We want one that'll fold up into a briefcase. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, now this is the really cool one, I think. Um, Britain's create world's first workable bionic legs and this is a big coup for everybody at the table here today because those britons are in new zealand so it's a new zealand company that has made bionic legs do i need to say anything else than that we have the technology are they six million dollars uh no what does it say they cost about ninety-seven thousand two hundred pounds um, now I've got another one of these... Um, is that per leg or is that for a pair? That's for a pair. You're pulling my leg, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> the invention resembling a film prop from the Hollywood sci-fi drama Robocop has been in 
veiled seven something. Yeah. Bionic legs. <laughs> I mean, hello. Yay. How cool That's is fantastic. this? How bionic are they? What do they do? What are their super features, Nathan? If you if you're paralysed, you can walk with the bionic legs. Strap them so, on, and they're, they're they're called Rex, which stands for Robotic Exoskeleton. Weigh 30, 38 kg. Wow, that's... Wheelchair users move across for the vice in a sitting position, strap themselves in and direct its movement with a joystick and control panel on the arm. I think they've been watching the wrong trousers. <laughs> no Wallace and Gromit fans? No. Oh. no. Heathens. But that's pretty cool. I mean, essentially, it's it will cool. give, give somebody who cannot walk the ability to walk. Oh, yeah, and it it's mentions a few things in here, like being able to be at eye level with people, you know, and reach cupboards yeah. and, and just yeah. normal stuff. Mm. It's awesome. Um, people say to me, look up when you're walking, but I just can't stop staring down at my feet moving. <laughs> <laughs> so they're actually an exoskeleton, aren't they? Strap on your actual legs. Yeah. Brilliant. They make your legs look rather large, but I'm sure they'll work around that. Who cares? Dude, I'd wear the... I mean, it says they look like a prop from, from Robocop. You know, I'd, I'd strap them on just now. <laughs> just right now. Give me a pair. I'll strap them on and walk around with bionic legs. I mean, that's so awesome. So you're all for a strap-on. Okay. Indeed. <laughs> Any day. <coughs> ah, good time. Fundraising for leukemia patients in the key of C. This is a story from the um, Dominion Post. There's a basically a documentary maker um, who has terminal leukemia, and he's uh, he's taking a hundred and five dollar a pop um, treatment uh, of um, I think it's intravenous vitamin C. Vitamin. Vitamin C. Vitamin, which is financially crippling his family. So a leading so. A, group of top Wellington musicians have banded together to raise money. Ha, banded. Oh, in fact, today, I think, is when they're going to... Today is when they're going to walk on stage to um, to raise funds. So they are playing. Anyway, so um, he is being treated at the Karanga Health Centre. His doctor, Tessa Jones, said many doctors were unaware of the vitamin C treatment because it was not taught to undergraduate level. Is that doctor with inverted commas? No, I think this is a real doctor. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so basically they're giving him massive doses of vitamin C. So this story has come um, pretty much the same week as a story came in a, from a group in... Right, vitamin C plays vital role in battle against cancer, University of Otago. Um, so there's just been a study published um, by Professor, sorry, Associate Professor Margaret Vizers um, of the university's Free Radical Research Group in the prestigious journal Cancer Research, um, basically showing that big doses of vitamin C can kill tumours. Unfortunately, I can't get hold of the paper because it's basically um, we don't have a subscription. It's not a free for. It's not a free for view. We'd have to pay. I don't know, thirty dollars or something, and I'm not going to. So it suggests that that she's found a, a kind of molecular link for why vitamin C might have an effect on tumours, because it clearly does in some cancer cells in vitro. So this is in, I'm not going to say test tubes because we don't use test tubes in in the lab. Um, uh, but as far as I'm aware... So what are they actually doing? Are they getting a, a little bit of tumour and then dropping some vitamin C on it and watching what happens? Um... 
I don't know. Let me I mean, what, what I'm, the point I'm getting at this this yeah, isn't no, a patient no. who's taking no. dose. No, that's exactly the point. It's basically um, they are looking at tumor tumors. So I don't know whether they're looking at tumor cells or whether they're looking at. Um, I guess the thing to know is is this Karanga Health Centre actually? Well, that exactly. So that's the point. So. So the Karanga Health Centre, um, when you go to their homepage, um, what you're first hit with is, a, is a, a smiling lady, and then it says general holistic practice. So they offer nutritional supplements, neuro-emotional technique, far infrared saunas, nutritional and environmental medicine, anti-aging medicine, electro-regenesis, Singlet oxygen therapy. But they don't. They don't list uh, leukemia treatment. Oh no, nutrition and cancer. Okay. So um, it does sound all a bit. Hmm, sounds very bogus to me. Uh, uh, and, uh, Craig did not just say bogus there. He said uh, unproven. What are we allowed to say? Unaffected. I don't know. Unproven. I would say. Um, not not currently supported by scientific, scientific evidence. Yes. Allegedly, Allegedly bogus. bogus. Sounds like a quack. Yeah. All I did was I said it sounds bogus to me and I think I'm quite entitled to... <laughs> well, that's what Simon Singh said too and he got flipping... No, no, he said that it was bogus. <clears throat> I think there's a big difference between saying something sounds bogus to me and saying something is bogus. Anyway. Anyway, so, oh, even they admit we use a variety of standard tests and some that are more unusual. Such as kinesiology. Kinesiology, for those who don't know, is where the patient sticks their arm out and the doctor pushes down on it. Yes. And then they and then they give them a, a substance to hold in the other hand and then they push the arm down again and they see whether it's easier and, and, or harder. And, yeah, yeah. So this, this, was, um, this was used in the test of the power balance uh, product by in, uh, Australia, yes? The little bracelet things. Uh, who did that? Uh, Richard uh, Saunders. But yeah, I mean, you go to this Karanga Health Centre's website and they've got all sorts of interesting sounding or you don't i think my recommendation would be don't interesting sounding things like biological terrain analysis hair mineral analysis neuro emotional technique <coughs> electro regenesis yeah so anyway they but they are they are medical doctors what's i've just done a quick look though so there's basically um the only thing i can find on on Medline um, to do vitamin C and cancer kind of recently has been um, an article from 2006 saying intravenously administered vitamin C as cancer therapy three cases so basically uh, the, this report of three patients who've had this they were people who it looks like they opted not to have um, chemotherapy and they went for this instead and then they've been followed up by doctors presumably the doctors who actually well, it looks like one of them died, uh, and then it looks like the two the two other ones lived. Lived with day. cancer or lived without cancer? Because uh, that's sixty six percent success rate, if that's right. <coughs> and a very small sample. Yes. Well, exactly. Uh, nine years after diagnosis, the patient is in good health with no symptoms or recurrent. They've used a variety of other things as well, not just vitamin C, but not like loony. But of course, this news of vitamin C has come out. Sorry, vitamin C has come out. <laughs> <laughs> we 
he's saying vitamin. Vitamin C has come out, and of course, um, all, all these people have jumped on and said, well, therefore I should be taking vitamin C. Well, it's not just that as well. It's the people that are already offering mega doses of vitamins as a treatment are saying, oh, well, look at the new research that we so were the, right. So to go back, historically, um, there had been some... So they are not the only people... The Sotago group are not the first people to show that vitamin C has an effect on cancer cells, and we'll say some cancer cells in the lab. This has been shown before. I guess what they have shown is more a molecular mechanism for why it might why it might have that effect. Yeah, so 30 years ago, this was shown uh, it was shown that there was some effect. Subsequent double-blind randomized clinical trials failed to show any, vitam- any, any benefit, and it was therefore discarded as a, tr- as a treatment for cancer by mainstream oncologists. However, it continues to be an alternative therapy. So, so this is something that has been known for a long time that it and then went through the clinical trials failed so has become a, a so isn't a mainstream but is an alternative therapy but so you're saying that what you were saying just now is that the studies that have been done since people first suggested it the one well, no, of the clinical trials so the so the putting two groups of patients on it showed that there was no there was no so the, tr- the trials that have been done have come up negative yeah. So what's this woman doing, so, showing her molecular... So, so what she has shown is a, is a way it might... Um, she's shown a basis for why it might actually work in some... In, in a cell in the lab, she has shown a, a, a Which, of course, is different to clinical trials, which is actual Which people. is actually people right. doing it. It's very different okay, from, it does a, make sense. from a... You know, you've got to get the vitamin C to the cancer, da-da-da-da-da. She's showing a way that if it did get there and it did have an effect, this is how it might have an effect. Um so anyway that's yes can i do that um we've got two other stories we'll see which one we've got time for um i want to do one about about the uk just because it's a bit depressing so um do you remember we were very excited a few months ago by the um evidence check that the uh government or the not the government the mps panel of mps did the science and technology panel did an evidence check on homeopathy and so they basically brought so ben goldacre and then various homeopaths and stuff to the table and said you know you give us your yeah it shows your evidence and of course it came out overwhelmingly in favor of homeopathy being a load of bollocks and and the recommendation was that it should be removed from uh, the NHS the National Health Service in the UK it should be given no funding so this was really exciting everyone was really yeah really excited uh, well, I mean, in you know, er, er, all the skeptics in the UK well, were really excited. So basically, their conclusions were there was no evidence that it worked beyond placebo, that it shouldn't be funded on the NHS, uh, da da da, and further clinical trials are not justified. So the government has just released their response to this, and it's really quite sad. So. The government's response is that it has decided to continue to allow homeopathic hospitals and treatments to be received on the NHS where local doctors recommend them. It agrees that the efficacy of the treatment is important, um, but that patient choice is important. So the chief, the government chief scientific advisor has expressed his concern that the public may assume that NHS homeopathic treatments are efficacious, where actually that's not why they're allowing it to be kept. They're allowing it to be kept because of patient choice. So they're admitting it's not, it has no effect, but because people might ask for it, they're going to keep it. But what I wanted to say, there's a a fantastic 
article in the Guardian about this, <laughs> where the guy, the analogy he uses, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's quite hilarious. Right, the analogy he uses, let me find it. Um, so it's about consumer choice. So if I walk into a pharmacist looking for a packet of condoms and I'm given the choice between a packet of Durex and a sock, it isn't a choice. <laughs> it's just a pointless piece of confusion that's going to lead to lots of people having really uncomfortable sex and a localised <laughs> population explosion. <laughs> so the other thing that's come out of that, so it says, in order for the public to make informed choices, it is therefore vitally important that the scientific evidence base for homeopathy is clearly explained and available. Therefore, they're going to engage further with the Department of Health to ensure communication to the public is addressed. So they're going to allow it on the NHS because people should have the choice, but people need to know that it's not effective. So they're going to start a campaign to explain to people that homeopathy is ineffective. That's just crazy. Which, of course, all the trubies are just going to say, oh, that's just the evil government trying to silence homeopathy. But it's actually the complete opposite because there are a number of people who are quite... Um, who are... MPs in the UK who are basically complete crackpots who will be the reason why this is, is business as usual. That and probably a lot of lobbying. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, but and what's, I guess what's so depressing about this is it just shows how powerful they are. What I heard was that there was a, um, a new Minister of Health in the UK. Who yeah, who's there. crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Allegedly crazy. Who, who is a clear crackpot who believes in all these things and how but like saying how the hell can somebody like that be minister of health i'm embarrassed anyway so that that was a depressing um thing speaking of politicians who aren't crackpots well done to julia gillard yes. oh yes <laughs> in australia australia's new prime minister is an atheist and she's said in various articles and whatnot she won't play the religion card she has no intention of pretending to believe in god to attract religious, religiously inclined voters. I'm not going to pretend a faith I don't feel. Great. So, who knows she'll, whether she'll still be Prime Minister <laughs> in, uh, in a couple of months' time. Has she been... She's not... She's, has she won in a, um, an internal yeah, race or something? Yeah. So, okay. so, so, so she hasn't a, actually gone to a They're having another yet. election, so... Right, OK. When's the election? Next month, they're having an election. Oh, this month. Oh, this month. Well, in end of August. So, this month. It's interesting and worth mentioning, but it's kind of less of a big deal over here than it would be if, say, an atheist got elected in America. Uh, and in fact, um, someone asked me a question the other day, and I actually went on Wikipedia and I looked up all the past New Zealand Prime Ministers, and there's kind of a very, very wide spread. There's sort of almost one of each. You know, we've had a Catholic, we've had an atheist, we've had an agnostic. Uh, this is all according to Wikipedia, of course, um, <laughs> which is totally well, reliable source. Um, I don't know, you'd have to go and have a look. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's not really that big a deal because people over here, or at least in New Zealand anyway, um, they don't really go around saying I'm this or I'm that. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't really know. I don't know what, what, who's our current Prime Minister? John Key. John Key, I don't know what John Key is. What's he? Anyone? No idea. No? See, no one knows. <laughs> Most people well, I, probably I don't they, care. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, um, the 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 last prime minister that we had that was sort of overtly religious, I guess, would have been Jim Bolger. He was um, fairly devout Catholic, and then before him there was David Longy, who was um, sort of a born again Christian kind of person. So yeah, so um, yeah, yeah, Australia. Um, do you want to do this virginity test thing? No, I can assure you, I've got children. I've got proof that I'm not. <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to read this out really, really quickly. So. This just really irritated me when I read this. Um, virginity test helps. Now, virginity test is in 
inverted commas, helps free three in rape case. Acupuncturist claims she can detect man's virginity. It sounds funny, but what's basically happened is uh, an acupuncturist who claims she can detect a man's virginity based on a small dot on the air has become a minor celebrity in Vietnam where she is credited with helping to free three convicted rapists from prison. Now, it's not that they've been freed because she saw a little red dot, but what's happened is she's invest she's examined these men and she said, according to my um, imaginary little red dot, these men are all virgins, and based on that, more, more investigation has been done. And their convictions were found to be unsound or something? Well, let me just... Uh... Now, not necessarily. Investigators who revisited the case discovered flaws, including the fact that testimonies of witnesses indicating their innocence were not included in the case's files. So it's not necessarily that these men are innocent, okay. but there may have been some poor investigation and some minor improprieties in the cases as they were being um, convicted. So... She says she was first taught how to determine if a man has ever had sex by feeling their pulse. She later developed the ear spot, te- uh, the ear spot method on her own. She says the spot will only disappear after heterosexual intercourse and is not affected by gay sex or masturbation. So gay men sh- who haven't had sex with women should all have a red spot on their ears? Yeah. Please, any gay men, get in touch with us. Let us know. Do you have a red spot on your ears? Yes. I'd love to know. You could do it anonymously. Yes, absolutely. Or do we now go around looking for... (laughs) (laughs) (gasps) Don't, don't let the Nigerians hear about this. Is it the Nigerians who are basically executing gay men? Uganda. Is it Uganda's? Whoever it is. Sorry, sorry, Nigeria. Sorry, Nigeria, if it's... um, if it's not you. Oh, and um, I was just going to say, you, you know that you're a crackpot when you see something like this. Alleged crackpot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This, this is de- definitive proof. Her virgin detecting claims have drawn scepticism from other traditional medicine practitioners <laughs> <laughs> who work with needles, herbs, and other uh, methods using century-old tech... Herbs? Herbs. And other methods using centuries-old techniques to manipulate energy or chi in the body. I've never heard of this method before, says an acupuncturist. From the medical point of view, it's impossible to determine whether a man has had sex or not by feeling their pulse or examining the red spot on their ears. Hong says her reputation has now prompted other convicted rapists to seek her help in appealing their cases. Done. And Susie, you've got one more... Medical piece oh, of news yes. for us? Related to sex. It's always related to sex. Given that we're talking about gay sex. Uh, debate over gender disorder drug. So there are concerns about an experimental drug that's being used to prevent abnormal genitalia in girls with a rare genetic condition. Um, so essentially women are given this drug dexamethasone during pregnancy um, basically to stop their... Uh, any girls who might have this congenital adrenal hyperplasia. So the important thing to say is that some of the girls who have congenital 
adrenal hyperplasia will go on to have um, sort of uh, slightly abnormal genitalia. There are lots of other problems too, but um, this is not a treatment for for the actual condition. It doesn't it doesn't prevent the condition. It just um, they think makes their genitals look more female. That's all. So far, this is all fine. This is yeah. a good thing. Well, well. So the, so the, who's to say what genitals should look like? <laughs> well, me. I've got a picture on my computer right now. So the, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> okay. So basically, in this condition, the adrenal glands produce abnormally high levels of androgens. So these masculinizing hormones, and they basically result in girls being born with genitals that look in between male and female. So in fact, actually, what it means is they tend to have a large clitoris. As someone with a clitoris, I don't think this is a problem. But anyway, <laughs> um, the important thing seems to be that some people are starting to make a link between um, girls who have this um, and are masculinized and therefore tomboyish, possibly more aggressive, and possibly, ultimately, lesbian and sexual orientation. But it's a choice, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, so, there are a number, so there are a number of problems with it. So the first is that I think that people are now jumping on this and saying, oh, we have a treatment for um, homosexuality. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess a really important thing is that dexamethasone is not is not a safe thing that's been that's that has been shown to be safe and you for use in pregnancy um it seems that this person who's doing it doesn't have any ethics permission to do what she, like it sounds like she's she's doing treatments um and writing them up and saying oh look we can do this for you know we can prevent these things we can get these girls to look normal um so it looks like she's doing a trial but she doesn't actually have permission ethical permission to do it so there's various people who are sort of up in arms about her science um, which all sounds a little dodgy, but it's she's kind of saying you know she's got this sort of safe and effective treatment that clearly hasn't been shown to be safe and effective. I mean we use dexamethasone in mice to immunocompromise them, so to basically kind of ramp down their immune system. So it's not as not a that's not a um, it's not something that should be given lightly, I would say. And so she's actually out there giving this as a treatment, yeah, and claiming that it's a trial. Or no, she's not claiming it's a trial at all. Well. It looks like she's doing a trial, but she's not. Um, she's not actually. She's, she doesn't have permission to do it, but she's publishing it as though it was a trial. What seems to be the really scary thing is that the, there's a um, some people who have got hold of a presentation she made that says um, that she. It's, it's, I guess it's got the lesbians up in arms, and fair enough. I'm just, I'm just trying to see how I can make a joke out of that. <laughs> So she says, the challenge is to see what could be done to restore the baby to the f normal female appearance, which would be compatible with her parents presenting her as a girl, with her eventually becoming somebody's wife and having normal sexual development and becoming a mother. So of course, anybody who is just thinking, you know, why, why does every girl have to become a wife and mother? So yeah. that's why the lesbians are kind of annoyed about it, um, you know, and, and they're bringing out a whole load of people like if... if if everybody kind of thought, okay, right, let's not have any lesbians, we wouldn't have Martina Navratilova and various other people who, you know, who... Although, to be fair, it's not the fact that she's a lesbian that makes her any good at, what is it, tennis? Well, yeah, anyway. So there seems to be lots of problems with this this doctor who's doing this kind of stuff. Um, and and it seems like she's doing something sort of slightly dodgy. And I think, the, I guess, the worry is that, that you're, that she's, that it's going to be, 
leapt on and now suddenly people who are worried that their children are going to be gay will end up having this treatment when it's not warranted. So is this something that's a, a legitimate concern? I mean, can parents just go down to the drugstore or the pharmacy and buy, what is it, dextromethyl or whatever? Dextromethasone. And is this something that doctors are going to be able to order and give to people? Or? Well, it's used, so it does have some common uses. Um, so it's given uh, to, it can be treat, used to treat rheumatoid arthritis, um, given in small doses in some forms of dental surgery. Um, it is present in eye drops. So I guess the point, I guess some people, some crazy people, I guess, could get hold of it and start doing stupid things with it. Um, it's given to uh, women who are about to, who are at risk of having a baby prematurely. So basically they, they give them this to um, kind of help the fetus's lungs uh, mature. So there are, you can get it, you know, there are legitimate treatments for it, even in pregnancy, um, but not the way that she's using it. And I guess there are concerns that people could get hold of it and start injecting it into yeah and well just for the record i think we all agree that fewer lesbians is a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) yes nathan Um, i wasn't gonna go there (laughs) that's why i'm here craig you need someone to make these these observations and now we have our special surprise interview I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'm going to give you this clue. And no, it's not Rowan Atkinson. And there came unto him a woman called Mary, who had seen the Lord and believed. And Jesus said unto her, Put on a tutu, (laughs) and lie down in this box. And then took he forth a saw, and cleft her in twain. And there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth. But Jesus said, O ye of little faith. And he threw open the box, and lo, Mary was whole. And the crowd went absolutely bananas. And Jesus and Mary took a big bow. And he said unto her, From now on you shall be known as Sharon. For that is a good name for an assistant. And the people said, We've never seen anything like this. This is great. You must be the son of God. But the Lord said, no, I am he who comes before. And they were sore amazed and said, then master, how shall we know the true Lord? And Jesus said, by his name shall ye know him. And he shall have a very religious name. And he shall be called Paul. And Daniel shall he be called. Paul Daniels, they cried. And the Lord said, yes, something like that. Here ends the lesson. So I am here at the New Zealand Magic Convention with Paul Daniels. So excited, you have no idea. Oh, you probably do, because you get this all the time. No, I don't. <laughs> I've never that. interviewed me. I have no idea how exciting <laughs> it is. Fawning ad- adoration? And <laughs> yes, yes. Grubble, grubble, grubble. Paul Daniels, welcome to the cusp. I've always been on the cusp, you know. <laughs> yeah, I say I've always been on the cusp. Actually, it's funny, I do that drunken bit. I never drink. <laughs> <laughs> you see, do well. No, you I never know drink. what's going on. Well, I, I, I once met a great comedian called Jimmy James. 
and I heard him being interviewed. And he was a great drunk. And somebody said to him, um, you, uh, our greatest actors can't act drunk. Right. And yet you, a teetotaler, do. Ah, yes, he says, I'm desperately trying to act sober. Because he says, that's what drunks do. Ah, yes. Wow, what a good yeah. tip that is. That's great. Yeah. I don't know, you probably haven't heard our podcast. No, I probably haven't. So what our show is about is about um, scepticism, it's about science, it's about sceptical activism. And yeah. I was wondering uh, if you could tell me. It's okay. If uh, that noise was me putting the drink down, yeah. Orange, it's, it's or it's orange, orange juice. juice. Orange, orange juice. juice. Orange juice. Um, With the power of my mind, I will now change it into vodka. <laughs> See, worked. Go on, <laughs> they don't know the difference. Oh my God! How did you do that? <laughs> um, so, can you tell me? Do you you're, you're familiar with skepticism, the skeptical movement, James Randi, yeah. people like that? Well, it's a bit more than that. I mean, for years there's been that fabulous magazine, the Skeptic, the Skeptic, you know, and that, that's a fabulous magazine, and. What I really don't understand, well, I do in a way, but I really don't understand it for myself, is when all of the so-called psychic happenings, when all of the so-called uh, psychic persons are doing their thing, they've all, all, it's all been so explained. Do you think that was some ghost trying to bump its way through into this? Nah. Yeah, but yeah, you see, totally. it's all been so explained time and time again. Has been firmly debunked. How the hell does it keep going on? Yeah. It's been so debunked, it's been so explained, but the new generations come along, and the con artists, and some of them are sad. I mean, some of the con artists are sad. They've conned themselves. Into yep. believing in it, you know. Yes. The, I just don't understand why at school there isn't a sort of a curriculum that states this is what you think might be happening and this is what's definitely happening. Now I, I'm, I feel sorry for people who, n who have the need to wish, to hope, to dream that there is something out there, but to this moment in time, nobody's ever been able to do it. One of the things that really, for me, is interesting is they say the so-called psychics will turn around, the so-called spiritualists will turn around, and they will say, uh, but you see, you've got a closed mind. No, I haven't. Come and do something for me that I can't do. Come and do something that I can't explain. And Because I would love to meet a genuine one. That's the ultimate dream, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. that's, that's yeah. our magical god. But yeah. they're, they're, they're not there. James Randi says it all the time. Um, Joe Nichol. Uh, I spoke to Steve Valentine the other day while he was here. Yeah. And he said the same thing. He's, he's a good friend with Joe Nichol. And, uh, and Stephen Fry, who was... Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. real yeah. again, it. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's um, so illogical, above all else, you know. It's illogical, but it is appealing... Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. It's, it's I mean, just as, as we, we've just said, we'd love to find something like that. I think everybody would, and that is why they get these, well, this is a little bit mysterious, I don't understand it, I'm just going to go ahead and accept that and assume that it's paranormal, that it's, that it's mystical, that it's, it's something yeah. real. And, and that's very tempting for most people because, as you've said, they don't 
have the training um, no, they don't skeptical. have the they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the sense of observation. They can be misled. They can be misdirected. There is, there's, it's, it's, that's the other problem with this, this uh, situation. There is not one method. There yes. is not one yeah. uh, thing you can be looking for. Uh, it's like magic itself. It is so diverse that you know you you have to study it for a lifetime before you even begin to understand all the different methods. It is, and it's something you have to be interested in. I mean, you can't just take the average person off the street no. and train them to be a skeptic. It's, it's a... It's they've, all got, they've all got something that they can't explain. Yeah. And, and they don't know about um, selective memory, yeah. you know. Uh, one of the things that was really interesting for me was writing my autobiography and going back through ancient diaries and this, that, and the other, and even I, the great skeptic, I had convinced myself that I had done things that yeah. I really hadn't, yeah. that, uh, that didn't exist, and, and I told myself tales that I wanted to believe. Yeah. And that's, that's, I suppose, that's the basis for all of us. Absolutely, yeah. <coughs> so, um, some of your history, I know I've read an article in which you talk about psychic surgery uh, and you were watching yeah. a documentary. Well, psychic surgery was interesting because I'd made a name for myself in the clubs and there was a great television producer in England called Johnny Hamp. And Johnny, I didn't know at the time, his father had been a magician. And we had a great documentary making team worked out of, I think, Granada Television. And they had gone and filmed the psychic surgeons of Manila, and they couldn't they couldn't figure it. And they said they went to Johnny, uh, who dealt with all of the light entertainment side, and said, "Who's the best sleight of hand man in the UK at the moment?" And he said, "Oh, it's this guy called Paul Daniels." So they called me in, and I sat in front of this uh, monitor. And in those days, you, you ran it backwards and forwards, you know, on a, on a film, you know, yeah, yeah. like that. And I knew how those worked, and so they sat me down. And the very first one going onto the table, I got a real shock, because I knew this guy. Oh. And he was from my, the town I went to school in, huh. a musician. But he and was I, working in Manila? No, I, no, he was the guy who was going onto the table to be operated on, and he was dying of cancer and I had no idea what a shock that was and this uh, surgeon so called uh, did the mumbo jumbo waved the hands over the, the belly and dived in and started pulling all these guts out as it were and I said oh oh yes that that's sleight of hand and this man standing behind me who I really didn't know at all. He said, no, it isn't. I said, yes, it is, but you're watching the wrong person. Don't watch the surgeon. Watch the nurse, so-called, off to the side, who feeds the stuff along behind the body so the camera can't see it, feeds it along behind the body, and you'll see the surgeon's hand then go to pick it up as the other hand's waving, and that hand comes up concealing something, slaps on the belly, and as it turns out, that's like uh, giblets in a 
little uh, bag thing. Yeah. And they, you, uh, and he dives in because the left hand from that moment when he does the pickup never moves. Yes. At all, it's yeah. locked on. And I said, and that's how it works. And that's how it worked on the second one, the third one, the fourth one. And there's women, you know, who would never do this normally, bearing their breasts and this and that. And there's a guy got, got a brain tumour, and they're pulling guts out of his belly, and he's cured. Yeah. This is so wrong, so yes. wrong. Then they developed this system of, uh, you know, like when you get a paper cut? Yes. Um, and and, it, looks skin. Like, and yeah. it was a ring with a little skin on and they said well how can we prove this yeah. and i said where is the operation taking place and it was done in a hotel on an umpteenth floor so i said go to the floor below take the downfall pipe out in the in the uh, bathrooms and put nets underneath and catch the crap literally that's coming down yeah. and they went back and they said we can't take the floor below I said, why not? And he said, well, because that's been completely booked out by the Filipino tourist board. Mm -hmm. oh. And then I said, okay, go to the floor below, because if there's nobody on that floor, <laughs> it won't interfere with it. Yeah. And we did. And it was all chicken giblets and pig's bladders and yeah. all sorts of stuff coming down. Yeah, animal matter, but not human animal matter. Indeed. And everybody sad to say, on that aeroplane that flew out there, died. Every Eventually. single, very quickly. They were, all, they were all terminal cases, and it's very sad when that happens. But you have to accept the fact, we die. That's it. Yeah. I'm not afraid of death at all. Since one day, some, I, I, I passed out, and when I, um, I'd never fainted before. And a guy the next day said to me, yeah, I said it was amazing. I, I said I had no sense of, of being anywhere. I woke up on the floor and I thought, wow, what happened? And he said to me, yeah, I think death's like that. And I went, of course it is. <laughs> One day I'll think to myself, I don't feel very, and that'll be it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't fear death. I, I, don't, I hope I, I die quickly. I don't want to the pain and the suffering and all that. There's um, another psychic thing that isn't promoted too well um, that doctors are aware of. If you live with somebody for a very long time, certainly if you live with them in the same property, yeah. house, yeah. when they are gone, your brain expects to see them sitting in the chair. You are, you've kind of got this uh, memory that fills the space in. Right. So like optical illusions where you see a half circle and... Yeah. yeah. Out, out of the corner of your eye, you will see them and because you've been doing that forever. It's a habit thing, you know. And uh, I think that's a basis of a lot of uh, beliefs. So when someone passes away and you're catching things out of the corner of your eye, yeah. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. I had not heard that before. That's very interesting. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yes, my brain stores this useless knowledge. <laughs> well, it's not useful. This is true. This is true. Podcast it's not useless. Now you're educating dozens of people. And I, I've got a really good friend. He's a big star. And, and uh, so I won't name him. Oh, you but can name drop. We don't mind. I know, but he's a big star. I won't name drop because I think this puts him down a bit. He came to see me, and he and his wife, who are both 
believers. You can't talk them out of it, you know, because they've had so they think they've had psychic happenings. Right. And when I've explained to them what that was, they still won't accept that. Some people you close down. You know when I was talking about the psychic surgeons? Yeah. The guy next to me kept saying, No, he isn't. No, they're not. No, no, that's not happening. And I'm saying, but look, you can see it's happening. No, it isn't. And he was the head of the spiritualist church in England at the time. Well, I didn't know that. Hmm. But this man came to me, and they were off to see a psychic healer in, um, Les in Leicester. And I said, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> and he said, yes, we're taking our friend. She's got terminal cancer, and uh, we're taking this girl, and she will cure her. And I said, well, I very much doubt that. Which hospital is it? And she says, no. And it turned out this psychic healer is a black single mother living in a council flat. And I said, and what's this going to cost? Hmm. And he says, uh, £25. <laughs> I said, Bert, are you listening to yourself? Listen to yourself. This is a single mother in a council flat, £25 can cure cancer. Yeah. I said, this is so stupid, because if she could cure cancer, the world would be at the door of her mansion, Yeah. you know. Yeah. And yet they just can't see it. Yeah. They, well, they can't see it because they don't want to see it. They want to believe. Yeah. But I still think that because of that, the media should not promote it. The media should yeah. have the sense to stop writing about it, televising it, radio broadcasting it. They should stop it. You're absolutely right, but then there's a lot of things that should be. There's a lot of things that shouldn't be, and, and what do we do about it? Well, I don't know, but when I'm king, it's going to change. I'll <laughs> tell you that. I would, I would vote for you, Paul. Thank you. But I probably would have voted for you anyway. Um, I might make you Chancellor of the Exchequer or something. Um. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'll take no, it. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay, we've done psychics, we've done psychic surgery, we've done, I guess, what you would call the magic side of, of scepticism. What about other things? Um, pseudoscience, creationism, um, alternative medicine. Do you have opinions and thoughts about any of that? Well, they all fall into the same sort of category of being blown out of the water so many times. Yeah. I mean, yet groups form and want to believe. Sadly, some of them get followed by people who should know better. Um, but I guess even the famous and the pseudo-intelligent people, <laughs> they, they fall into this trap of not really studying the subject that they're talking about. Their need to believe overrides um, the written facts. They, they just don't want to know yeah. They want to believe, like everybody, I guess. It wouldn't be, isn't it a nice idea that there is an afterlife? Isn't there? Isn't it a nice idea that we live on? You know, but it's just, I can't. It just, it is so unbelievable. 
afterlives and so on. I do believe, actually, in a kind of afterlife. Okay. But it's okay. not the promoted church one. When I was about 17 or 18, no, I'll tell you when it was, I'll tell you exactly, I was 22. And I had a baby boy, uh, well, had grown up a little bit, and he came out with something that I know I said when I was a kid. And I know nobody had said it to him. And I sort of formed a, an opinion then that in sperm, more than just looks traveled on, that maybe there was some kind of genetic memory traveling on through your bloodline, you know? And so I believe that I live on in my sons. Yeah. You see? I do. I, I can understand the DNA molecule carrying a lot more stuff than we think about, but not in great detail. It's sure. a bit like when they talk about neuro-linguistic programming, you know, for example. What they do is, um, I can understand, I can believe that uh, repetitious advertising might affect some people. Oh, absolutely. But yes. you cannot use it to be absolutely definitive, you will think of the colour blue. Absolutely. That's just nonsense. You wouldn't use something like that on stage, except as a, as a throwaway or a, well, a multiple well, out. I mean, in my case, I'd use it as a joke. Right. But because there are guys in our business who have promoted it as, as a mental happening, because there are people who have done that, it has now moved into the world of medical science. It's part of nurses' training. And I think that is wrong. I like Yuri Geller. He lives round the corner from me on the, on the river. You know, the river yep. bends, and it was straight before he moved in. Uri lives there, and I like Uri, and I like the way he works, the psychic act. You know, but it yep. is an act. <coughs> Which he's just recently, of course, um, sort of admitted in as many words that he is actually a magician. No. He's not clever. No, that's oh, what I heard. No, well, that's the it end of my belief. What am I going to do? <laughs> It was shortly after he won an award at a magician's convention or by a, a, yeah. ma a magic circle of some sort. Um, and it looks like our time might be just about up. So uh, I will ask you one more question. I don't know if you've noticed upstairs, there's a big sign that says Sue Nicholson, uh, psychic, yeah. something, something. Yeah. She's actually here in the hotel right now. She's right. doing a show. Uh, she's one of our, our, our local celebrity. Yeah. Um, she does a show called Sensing Murder. I don't know if you guys get something similar over in your yeah, neck of the woods. They're everywhere. Uh, it's, it's a TV show and they solve crimes and they're basically oh, yes. doing a dog and pony. Um, yeah. Turn the photo over. I know, I know some details about this person's yeah. case and then that's about where it finishes. And um, well, I was just wondering, if we get a break later on, do you want to go and give her a hard time? <laughs> no, one of the best things that ever happened was somewhere in the Antipodes, I think it was Doris Stokes. I've heard the name. Was yeah. doing her act on stage, you know, little blue rinse lady, and um, there was a guy in the audience with a, a pad, you know, right. writing down and turning round and looking to see who was answering questions. And he didn't have a bright red beard, did he? Because that would be James Randi. No, 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 it wasn't James. And it was um, this guy's way, and she spots him. Oh, and yes. she storms off the stage and goes up to him, this little blue rinsed ice lady, and says, what the f 
are you playing at, you know? And he said, you're the psychic, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to deal with them. Yeah. Marvellous. Why well, do they never win the lottery, the obvious things? Why do they never win the competitions? Yeah. Why do they only get in touch with people who are in the happy land yeah. and nobody's feet are on fire? And so there's never any new information. It's always like, never, maybe everything's fine. And usually... Where's the will that, you, that we can't find? Ah, ah. She says she's very happy. But also, you've got to remember that frequently there's a, an interview in the afternoon, a private reading. Yes. And they can't they quite finish it. The and there's a free ticket for my show tonight. Yep. It's a scam. Yep. And that's it. Treat it all as entertainment, but don't believe in it. Thank you very much, Paul Daniels, for coming to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. And uh, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the rest of the convention. I don't think you're doing much from now on. You're mostly just hanging on. I'm doing a Q&A tomorrow. Q&A tomorrow, yeah, yeah, which I will very much look forward to. Some scientists wonder about what happens at the cusp. The laws of nature are randomly reshuffled at the cusp. It is only the most extraordinary coincidence that the cosmic slot machine has this time come up with an intelligence. So, we're going to finish up with a word of the day. And I realise it's been a while since I've done a Mansi. One thing about Mansi is, as you can guarantee, no matter what letter of the alphabet you're up to, there's always a Mansi for it. So today's word is halomancy, which is divination using salt. Divination using salt. Well, that's why they spill it on the table or... Something like that, I guess. Well, you'd have to. If you, you spilt the salt on the table, you'd have to be constantly throwing it over your shoulder. And, Craig, you've got a quote for us? Indeed I do. This one is from T.H. Huxley. The known is finite. The unknown is infinite. Intellectually, we stand on an islet in the midst of an illimitable ocean of inexplicability. Our business in every generation is to reclaim a little more land. <laughs> nice. Very nice. And you've been listening to the Completely Unnecessary Skeptical Podcast. If you'd like to give us some suggestions or feedback, you can fill out the Contact Us page on our website, thecusp.org.nz. Mm.